0: Daily with Jason Martinez and welcome to your Friday the 13th November 13th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez my wife actually reminded me of this this is pretty crazy back on March 13th and our world was essentially paused on Friday the 13th of March here we are now nine months later still dealing with the global pandemic but hopefully hopefully News that the Philadelphia Flyers, the NHL, is returning, still targeting a January 1st date. Bill Meltzer going to join us momentarily to talk about that and more, plus an NHL Flyers Hall of Fame series that we're working on. And I will tell you about that coming up. But the NHL and the NHLPA uh, have been having discussions about a return to play. For the 2021 season, Uh, if you recall, James Van Riemsdyk was part of the return to play committee when the league uh, was making all efforts to come back and hand out the Stanley Cup, which they eventually did uh, this summer and then obviously into the fall. Uh, JVR is the Flyers team representative for the NHLPA, the player representative. And he is actually not representing the Flyers or a part of the return-to-play committee for this time around. It is Flyers captain Claude Giroux, Pierre Lebrun, uh, reporting that from TSN and The Athletic. Uh, Earlier today, there are upwards of 15-plus players already in the return-to-play committee from the players' perspective, negotiating with the league and the NHLPA. And they still are targeting a January 1st start date to the season. We'll see how this plays out. They're not married to that date, obviously, uh, but we'll see how this plays out. And uh, there seems to be a pretty strong push for NHL teams to not play in hub cities. Now, the hub cities wouldn't be the same as they were when they returned uh, in the summer for the playoffs, where they had two hub cities and 24 teams reported, 12 to each city. Uh, Different this way, uh, at least what was proposed, uh, and this is not off the table, but it doesn't look like this is going to happen Uh, The teams would report to a Hub City for 10 to 12 days, play a bunch of games while there, come back home for a week or 10 days, and then return to the Hub City again, knockout games with no travel. Uh, But one of the things uh, being talked about is building naming rights and something else that is suffering as a part of these teams playing in Hub cities or neutral site locations and without fans. So uh, the NHL uh, is leaning towards, uh, from all reporting, again, that uh, they are leaning towards a direction where teams would play in their home cities. Certain cities maybe will allow fans and certain amounts of fans. Some cities perhaps no fans uh, at least to start. Uh, but with news of the vaccine, you wonder if you know the, if that changes anything. The Pfizer vaccine, we don't have the full data on that yet. Although. It did show over 90% effectiveness in preventing coronavirus, but there's still a lot of questions to be answered in regards to that vaccine and a few others that will follow, whether that's Moderna or the other companies. I'm not an epidemiologist, but I'll play one here on Flyers Daily. So we'll see where this all goes, but uh, the next couple of weeks will be very interesting. And uh, these discussions seem much further along when it comes to the return to play than many of us even could have imagined. Uh, We were basically anticipating hearing a lot of Meetings taking place and then getting drips and drabs of information, but it appears as if uh, there's been pretty high-level discussions from the PA and the NHL league office uh, already underway, and things are much further along than uh, any of us really even knew, which is great news, which could mean the game gets back on the ice much sooner than maybe some predicted. Uh, We'll see if it happens January 1st. My prediction is, and I'll stand by it, is still mid-January, anywhere from the 14th to the 21st. Uh, that the NHL get back on the ice, and we'll see how this plays out, but still some issues to work through as well, including player salaries, prorated, so they defer more money, uh, depending on how many games they play without fans or how many games they play in the season. So a lot to work on uh, for the league and the Players Association, Uh, but we hope it all gets there soon enough and we get the game back on the ice where it belongs. Uh, Let's bring in right now from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, uh, you hear him on Flyers Daily quite often, and uh, I'm going to talk about a great project we're doing together uh, here on Flyers Daily and on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and take a, lose, a look at some of the news and notes around the NHL. It's Bill Melter. Bill, how you doing?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it, it's strange to still be in the off season talking about mid-November. You know, hopefully, we'll have uh, some training camp and some games to talk about soon.
0: Yeah, we're getting closer. I think we're getting closer because we're going to talk about that in a second. But first, I want to talk about a project that we are working on. Uh, in tandem for Flyers Daily and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. We have uh, kind of decided to do a series on Flyers Hall of Fame members. And we're going to start it off with Dave Poole, and, uh We already actually taped that conversation. I can't wait for people to hear it. But we're going to talk with uh, you know, some very distinguished members and some of the greats that wore the orange and black and their impact on the team. Um, and we're looking forward to so many of these conversations. But um, when you think of the Flyers Hall of Fame members, what really kind of pops out is there? Is there, a, can, is there a common thread with all of these members, if you will?
1: I, I think that every single one of them, in in some way or another, you know, they, uh, you know, and I, and I know it's, I know it sounds like a cliche, but I mean, they, they all, you know, they, they all wore the the crest, you know, with with a lot of pride and with one hundred percent dedication. I mean, you have, you know, you have a a variety of different Kinds of players, right? Um, I mean, Dave Schultz is in there. You know, a totally different kind of player than a than a Brian Prop, right? But but every single one of them never took for granted a day of wearing a Flyers uniform. And um, you know, of course, you have a Hall of Fame coach and, and uh, Fred Shiro, The you know Ed Snyder is the founder. But I mean, when you look look at the list of players that are on there, that to me that to me is the common thread for each and every one of them that they never, you know, they never took for granted being a Flyer and all every one of them in some way or another you know bonded with the city bonded with the team bonded with their teammates and, and just became a became a far, part of the fabric of of the city itself and i think that that's that's the common thread that runs through through all of them
0: yeah to me the word i use when when i look at all of those guys is honest like they were all honest players now what does that mean that to me an honest player means that player was always going to be a guy that you'd never questioned his work ethic, his commitment, and his desire to win to me. And that came right from the top. That came from Mr. Snyder right on down because he was all about winning and it was all about, you know, putting yourself preparing to win because a lack of preparation was preparing to lose. And there was honesty in all of those players and the way that they approached every game uh, that they wore that Jersey. Um, when you look back, Bill, at, at the Flyers, you know Hall of Famers. You know, they, have some, they have some players that are in the NHL Hall of Fame, and some that played more games in Philadelphia, and some, you know, guys like Mark Recchi came through Philadelphia, had played so many years in the league, but is in the NHL Hall of Fame. But when, when you look at the guys that that are in the Hall of Fame, you know, probably the most talented hockey player, from a pure talent standpoint, that came through the Flyers, probably to this point is still Mark Howe. As the most talented hockey player.
1: Oh well, yeah. I mean, Howie's case—you have a had a forty-goal winger who became a, a Norris Trophy caliber defenseman. Yeah, and <laughs> he did in the middle of his career too. Um, you know, when you combine the World Hockey Association with the NHL, Howie scored four hundred career goals. Jeez. Um, You know, and uh, and you know he was a complete player too. I mean, not not I, I couldn't You know, he he made one of the most difficult transitions you can make in sports going going back and playing on the blue line after being a forward most of his life you know and he he made it he may look seamless you know how, how he was unbelievable and I, I think the other guy in terms of pure talent you know and unfortunately injuries derailed for a lot of his career too was Eric Lindros you know yeah. to me in terms of pure talent it's those two guys
0: yeah, yeah it's a great point Lindros was the next one uh, Bill also uh, you know The Flyers are not an original six team. They came in the league's first expansion uh, of taking the league from six to 12 teams. Uh, But, you know, for not being an original six team, they have a, and you know this because you run all the alumni stuff and and you're the encyclopedia, but they have so much history in just the 50, you know, 50 plus years now. Um, But they have so much history and they accomplished so much history so quickly that Still stays with us today. It's really kind of mind boggling that they haven't been around for a hundred years and they're not an original six team because they have such memorable moments, some maybe even more than some of the original sixes.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the period since the Flyers came into the league, you know, uh, Montreal and I think Boston too, but the Flyers are in the top three in, in winning percentage, yeah, for, as, as a franchise since the Flyers entered the league. When, when the league went from six teams. To 12 and now you know there'll be 32 come next year um you know and and uh i I think the flyers you know except for except for a couple of the original six franchises but i mean the flyers are are virtually are virtually like one of those teams um you know and and players you would be surprised at, at guys who weren't here very long and uh were grateful even for the short time that they spent here even even in some cases before the team established an identity um you know, it's uh, when, when you're building a history uh, of a team, of a franchise, you know, it's like it's like a big tapestry. And some guys, you know, are our entire rows, the Bob Clarks, the uh, Bill Barbers, the Bernie Perrons, and some guys might be a single stitch in, the, in that in that history. But, you know, they, they take pride in, in whatever piece of that history that they had. And I'll give you an example. Um, you know, uh, the the late Larry Mickey was only here for a very short period of time. Um, I've gotten I've gotten to know his son Corey. And he said that he said that his dad was was very proud of the short time that he spent here because he was part of Fred Shearer's first training camp here. He got to see Bob Clark as a young player, you know, up close and then you know played against him when he when he was a member of the Sabres. Um, so even guys who weren't here, you wouldn't think were a big piece of it. They look back and were really grateful for the time that they spent here. And a lot of that also had to do with the way that um, Ed Snyder created a family environment with the team and the way the p- players here were treated. Um, you know, there was a, definitely expectations of winning and of commitment and, you know, and, and, and the rest of it, there was pressure, the well-winded as well, but pretty much anyone who was, who was a flyer at some point in their career, it looks back at that as a, as a pretty special experience to be able to be, to be a part of that history.
0: And it's amazing how many guys, whether they played here a long period of time or they played here, uh, just a couple of years, uh, end up making this their home. Uh, it, it's it's incredible. Keith Jones, I mean, he only played 131 games as a Flyer. He's made it his home, and he's a big part of this community, and there's many guys uh, just like that that ha- have done that. Uh, so we'll be featuring uh, this uh, Flyers Hall of Fame series, and uh, it'll be uh, both on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com and also right here on Flyers Daily. We're going to talk to some great, uh, great Flyers Hall of Fame members, including uh, Dave Pullen, hopefully Mark Howe, and and many others uh, throughout this series also uh, coming up. uh, I know in this episode uh, was supposed to be Rick Tockett. We had some communication difficulties and uh, Rick Tockett will actually be in Monday's episode. And Bill, I got to think he's a guy that's got to be ticketed for flyers hall of fame at some point.
1: Oh, I I would think so. I mean, uh, you know, Tock is a guy who was a a late round draft pick came up around. Yeah. Yeah. And he came up as not, not strictly an enforcer, but as, but as a, you know, what you call today, a, a bottom six forward. And, he worked himself and worked and worked and worked and became a premier power forward in the NHL. I mean, there be, you know, he was a guy who could get to 40 goals and was, you know, I mean, tough as nails. Still, you know? still and, is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Still, still is. I mean, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to be on talk's bad side, you know, and, you know, talk, talk to me was a, a quintessential Philadelphia flyer. Um, you know, and, and uh, you, you look at, you look at those years, there, there's a lot of guys that are like that, you know, it, it, uh, even guys who, you know, I mean, talk is certainly way up there. You mentioned Mark Recke. Um, You know, Rex actually spent more games as as a flyer than he did for any of his other teams, including Pittsburgh. So he was wow. a flyer for more of his career than any of his other stops. He's still the franchise single-season point uh, holder, won the uh, Bob Clark Trophy, I believe, three times. You know, he, uh, he had a fantastic career here in Philadelphia as well as in Pittsburgh and the other stops he made. The only thing he didn't win in Philly was a cup. So, you know, uh, there, there are so many tremendous candidates for the Flyers Hall. A guy like Simone Gagne is, uh, is another guy who yep. stands out as, you know, a player who's very worthy of that honor. So, you know, um, it's uh, the, the, the hard part is going to be sifting through the candidates. And, I, and I'd also like to add Paul Holmgren's name in there as well as a guy who you had the combined weight of having been a player, uh, a an assistant coach, a head coach, assistant general manager, general manager, and team president. Not even Clarky's done that. Not even Clarky has, you know, not even Clarkie's worn all of those hats and, and made contributions. You know, there were important ones in, in, each of, in each of those steps along the way. I mean, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys who have been career flyers. They've done, you know, so much for the organization, either on the ice, behind the scenes. You know, I, I think if you look at that group of, and I believe it's 25, 25 inductees right now, You know, there's there's not one of them that doesn't deserve to be there. And anybody who's added, you know, who's added to that to that uh, to that list is in tremendous company.
0: Yeah, and certainly uh, well-deserved. Bill, let's talk about the NHL return to play, because uh, seeing some reporting now, uh, Gary Bettman uh, had had sort of an availability at a conference uh, the other day uh, up in Ottawa. And he's still talking about uh, December or excuse me, January 1st. Uh, the Board of Governors are being updated today, uh, Thursday, on, on the call uh, to kind of start to lay out the, the, the blueprint for a return to play. We know the NBA is going to return, it uh, looks like, on December 22nd. Uh, and at this point, and this is according to Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet, Freed says at this point, the NHL really wants to have a Stanley Cup for next season awarded no later than July 15th. And he also says that different sources have heard. Three potential lengths for the 2021 season. Uh, some have heard as few as 56 games, others as many as 72. Obviously, the later they start, uh, maybe that's where games de- decrease. If they do start in early January, then you could see that maybe the 72 games like the NBA. Uh, said it's also possible the league decreases the number of games and, and actually keeps a couple maybe 10 days, a, a couple of weeks for open weeks at the end of the regular season in case you do have to cancel games, being a little flexible with your schedule the way Major League Baseball and uh, the NFL has been and moving things around and to make it work and kind of plowing through um, because if you if you are traveling and you're not in a hub city like they were for uh, the playoffs in Toronto and Edmonton, then uh, presumably that's going to be a ca- you're going to deal with some cases at some point. Uh, but uh, he's, he's saying basically over the next couple of weeks here, we should get these things locked down. Some key issues to work on, uh, but this is all good news for the NHL. Things are, are moving behind the scenes, perhaps mm-hmm. even without us really knowing that they were moving at all.
1: No, absolutely. And, you know, as, as we're recording this right now, the uh, COVID situation is, you know, pretty rough. <laughs> Not pretty rough, it's extremely rough. Yeah. But, you know, we, we just got the news of the vaccine coming and with 90% efficacy. So that's going to be a game changer as we get into, uh, you know, springtime and and a playoff scenario. So hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully get through, get through these upcoming weeks, the next couple of months, and then, uh, then hopefully the the picture brightens considerably, you know, um, you know, we, I, it wouldn't be unrealistic to say that by, you know, if all goes as hoped with the vaccinations and the distribution of it, that we could be looking at, at teams in their home arenas with, with full buildings and playoff playoff scenarios that we're, we're accustomed to. But you have to get there first. And, um, you know, I think one of the interesting things that, that Gary Bedman was talking about is there's a lot of different scenarios that are in play. And, and it might not even be for the full season. You might start out with the just a Canadian division and, you know, the other little regional situation, uh, you know, as, as teams are... are you know, uh, in the regional bubbles or mini bubbles or whatever the case might be. And then by the, the latter part of the season, you might be back to something closer to what we're, we're accustomed to. So, you know, they they have to be flexible with the, with the many different possibilities. Um, you know, I, I, as we go forward here in the next couple of weeks, there should be a little bit more clarity as to what the, uh, initial format may look like, um, you know, when camps will be held, when, when season will open, where you'll be playing, you know, and, um, you know, but I, I think it is probably wise to build in a little bit of a cushion in case there are cases. Um, you know, you just look at what's going on in, in some of the European leagues that uh, for six weeks, they look fine. You know, like in Sweden, they went fine, pretty smooth sailing for six weeks. And then now all of a sudden there are some cancellations and some upticks in cases. And, you know, as, until we get up the full speed in terms of being able to, uh you know, to be able to conduct, I guess, a semi-normal season. I think I think it's smart to be able to build in those little bit of cushions where you're not, you know, where you're not saying, okay, well, if we're postponing a game here, where could you possibly replay it? So I, I think that, uh, you know, there, there's a lot to work through. It's going to be different than the, the playoff format. You're not going to have where they have the two bubbles in the playoffs. Uh, you might have mini bubbles for a limited period of time. You know, you're, you're in one city for a couple of weeks and then, go back home for a while it's it's going to look different um it's going to require a lot of cooperation between the players association and the league um but i I think that there is reason for optimism and and, uh you know it's going to be really interesting as things start to take shape over these next couple weeks there'll be a lot to talk about
0: yeah, I think that we're in that period of time now where we're going to get a lot of news hot and heavy uh, on this return to play. And as you, to, you allude to the, the hybrid system of, uh, of hub cities or bubbles, if you will, teams will go for about 10 to 12 days is what Carrie Bettman said. He said, quote, you'll play a bunch of games without traveling. You'll go back home for a week, be with your family. We'll have our testing protocols and all the other things you need. He said it's not going to be quite as effective as a bubble, but we think we can if we go this route, minimize the risk to the extent practical and sensible. And so that's one of the things we're talking about. So like you alluded to, that could be, you know, a way to start. And uh, eventually I think we're going to have different uh, points in the schedule where things can change. They also want uh, teams to be able to play in their home building because one of the things that's coming into play is the naming rights of these uh, stadiums and and the deals that they have for those. So uh, how this kind of uh, proceeds over the next couple of weeks is going to be very interesting. And and like you said, Bill, I I imagine we're going to be getting a lot of information here. Uh, really, it, probably after this board of governors call in next week, uh, we should be really hearing a lot of details on how this is going to shape up and how the NHL is going to return to play and what that timeline looks like. I Imagine players at this point, hearing January 1st is still the target, are, are starting to ramp up their, you know, training and and their execution of their all season program because, um, uh, once you get a date then then you'll start to see players trickle in so they can really ramp those things up and work out with other NHL players so that's part of the equation as well
1: oh sure and and I mean one thing that currently is a little bit of a limiting factor is um, you know in terms of timing of training camps it, it's still availability of ice players do have you know depending on where you live in, in most places you have at least some availability but there might be only you know you might be only only able to do three on threes you might you be able to do a little less skating than you typically would at this point of an off season. So that, that, that all has to be figured into for, for when camps will be held, but you know, players, it, it'll sneak up on the guys who aren't ready. So they have to be really ramping up at this point for sure.
0: Yeah. And talking to Bush on the last episode and how goaltenders prepare, you know, I, I asked Bush the simple question, Bill, I just said, you know, when you're preparing for a season, how imperative is it to be able to get guys in your preparation for those mini workouts that have NHL caliber shots, you know, not all guys are in an area where they can get three NHLers to come out and work on drills and and shoot on them. And you got to rely on getting, you know, junior players or, you know, the the best you can, maybe some collegiate players, but that doesn't simulate an NHL shot and an NHL release guys in the NHL. They, they can change where that release comes from. They pull it into their body. They, they can get that shot off at so many variant points in, 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 you know, their body composition that makes it an NHL caliber shot. So, uh, that's part of the equation as well. How these goalies are preparing right now is, is fascinating, obviously to me, fascinating uh, to see how you prepare for this season, which we, again, we don't know the exact start time, but I'm sure everybody's starting to ramp up their ramp up their training.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know, something else too. Uh, the, I know the American hockey league is targeting early February. Mm-hmm. So that's going to, that's going to be another piece of it too, is to uh, do you temporarily expand the rosters and and how all, all of that work. Um you know, there, there are going to be some opportunities and there are still a lot of unsigned players out there too. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see who ends up on, on uh, training camp invites as opposed to, you know, supposed to contracts. Cause that's, you know, you'll get a look at a guy, but uh, there, there's no guarantees. So, you know, the, uh, the, the competition aspect to me is, is going to be one of the most interesting things to, to watch as we, as we move towards uh, the start of
0: camps in the season. Yeah. There's going to be guys on PTO contracts. Yep. Uh, tr- trying to make a club that you would have never imagined at this point would be on a PTO, but that's just the way it is, and uh, the flat cap world. Uh, Bill, the series is going to be fun. Everybody, uh, we'll start it out next week. We'll have Rick Tockett coming up on Monday's episode, and then Dave Pullen will kick off our Flyers Hall of Fame series coming up on Wednesday's episode. And and uh, I'll speak for Bill here because I know I think he'll agree with this. Uh, this the conversation with Dave Pullen is fascinating. It, his Flyers life is fascinating and he's got to get it to Jerry Bruckheimer or somebody to make a movie. I would think.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Pooley, (laughs) Pooley said, you know, he's
0: the easiest person maybe anywhere, anywhere in
1: sports to interview because he makes your job really, really easy give him a topic. And he, you know, he gives you not just stories, but a, but a ton of insight. You know, he, uh, he's a guy who really, really knows the game and, and his, his own, his own story is a fascinating one because he took a certainly an unusual route to the league and I you know I I had had
0: a blast special thanks to Bill Meltzer for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily another one comes your way coming up on Monday and keep following the NHL news as well also on Monday's episode we'll hear from former Flyer and current Arizona Coyotes head coach Rick Tockett and Wednesday's episode of next week our NHL our Flyers Hall of Fame series will begin with Dave Pullen thanks for listening everybody have a great weekend stay safe stay healthy And we'll talk to you on Monday's episode of Flyers Daily.